This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Agency Network. Hope you're doing well. Um, I know we usually release episodes on a Friday morning, but um, we had to do it a little early because Brendan Boyd, who many will know as the frontman of critically acclaimed Outfit Incubus. I don't know why I said critically acclaimed. Make it sound fancier. Everyone fucking knows Incubus. Uh, he is making his Australian debut this week, which I never thought I would say, considering Incubus have toured Australia many, many times. He is actually making his non-musical nature debut in Australia at the Other Art Fairs in Sydney this week. He is the global guest artist for this week's installation, and he is debuting two previously unreleased artworks uh, happening this week at Barangaroo. So if you're in Sydney, get down there. It's happening from 18th to the 21st of March. Brandon was kind enough to jump on the podcast with such short notice. I mean, this installation was only announced... um, last week so luckily we got in touch with Brendan's people he was happy to come on he joined me on zoom of course from his LA home to talk about the artwork as well as what he's been doing the last 12 months obviously COVID has halted any plans for Incubus and his own work Um, so in this chat we discussed what Incubus are working on and what he's working on Uh, I believe last year he mentioned that he was working on some solo recordings which would have been his first solo work since the 2010 album, his debut solo album, uh, and he's working on more stuff, and we can actually expect some of it to be released this year, which is very exciting. We talked about how he's dealing with COVID personally, as well as within the band, what's going on, and when we can expect some new Incubus music. So here is Brendan Boyd on The Green Room. Check it out. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on The Green Room, all the way from LA, right? Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah, look, so spoiler alert, um, you came on a little bit early because apparently LA went into daylight savings as of when? Yesterday? I think we woke up into it today. It happened during the night. Right, okay. Imagine an hour of sleep was taken away from us by (laughs) by the the time gods. I don't know. I'll never completely understand it. So how are you doing over there? Obviously, um, you've, you've been... Are you guys still in lockdown? Is LA in, in severe lockdown right now? Is it more just? Uh, there are parts of Los Angeles that are still in. Um, we've done it by like a, like a color-coded system based on the severity of um, COVID cases per like county. Right. But where I am is like partial lockdown. So um, there are businesses open, but you have to be masked and they only allow a certain amount of people in, I think, indoor dining is still prohibited. So you see a lot of outdoor dining. And we're really lucky here in LA that we have um, nice weather most of the time. Mm. So um, it's wild though. Yeah, it's been, I haven't really left my house besides going to the market. I go to the market and when there's been some surf, I'll go for a surf, but just mostly staying home. And that's been, you know, challenging, but I I have to say like all things considered, I'm, really, really fortunate to be able to stay home and make art and stuff. So 
How about you guys? It's it's kind of open there, right? Yeah. So Australia, like you, you never want to say we're doing great because obviously the the pandemic is never a nice thing. The virus um, has obviously had a lot of casualties, but all things considered, I mean, it, just like you said, in different cities, there's different um, restrictions. But for the most part, we're okay. I think I'm I'm in Sydney, um, so New South Wales recorded its its first case in fifty something days. So. We're sitting at one. Wow. I know there's a lot of talk in um, a lot of people who, who have had enough of the COVID restrictions in America. I think I saw a tweet somewhere where they said, we've only had 2,300 cases today. Like, open everything up. Whereas we're like, if we have three cases, we're like, shut everything down. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that, you know, a lot of our, um, our leaders here in the States have have done a pretty terrible job of the way, you know, they've gone about handling this situation. Um, some of them have done better than others, but largely it's been a pretty botched response. That being said, I uh, can't think of a, a, a worse time to be somebody that is in charge of anything right now. You know what I mean? Anywhere in the world. It seems like it's already kind of a thankless job to be, you know, in a governing position, but then you put a pandemic on top of it and we haven't had anything like this in like a hundred years. So nobody that's alive really has any experience with this. So it's surprising in certain respects that in here in America, we've botched the response so badly, but then in other ways, it's really not surprising. America is sort of uniquely um, set up to, fail this kind of test mm. being that we were already so kind of um, politically and ideologically uh, divided and um, in such a strange place politically, culturally, ideologically. And so you just, all that stuff was already happening. So it was like this chaos brewing and then pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the perfect storm of these types of things. So it, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, crazy here. I mean, if you even like take out COVID for a second, 2020 has been a pretty tumultuous time in America. You know, going back to the, the Black Lives Matter protests, you had the election, yeah. you had the Capitol protests. How are things over there now? And like you said, there are, there are some strict lockdowns, there are some partial lockdowns. And I mean, I'm, I see that you're taking the time to just chill out at home and be alone. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I've... Um, just use this time to to stay here and I had a very kind of like small COVID bubble. I'm not sure if you guys use the same terminology there, but here we've been calling them COVID bubbles. So for me, uh, in another kind of um, fortunate circumstance, I am uh, live pretty close to most of my immediate family. And so um, we took precautions Whereas we didn't like eat indoors or anything, but we, you know, we took advantage of nice weather and we were, I was able to hang out with my parents and my brothers and stuff and, and my girlfriend. And, but that was basically it. Like when I saw friends, we were outdoors distance from each other, just from, you know, erring on the side of caution. We just didn't know what the, the best way to go about things was. Um, but yeah, I've just been painting a lot. Like I said, recording music, I, I just finishing a, a solo record, which probably will come out sometime I'm guessing in late spring or, or, or summer. Where are we now? What, what month is it? <laughs> March. Okay. March. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe early summer, if all goes well with like the planning of it and everything. So I just, my point is, is that I, I took the opportunity to really turn inward 
um, and, and write and paint and read and grow food and reflect. And so, yeah, very, very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, I know that this pandemic has not landed um, the same way with everybody as evidenced by so many different things around the world. But um, so I'll just say again, I'm very, very blessed to be yeah. in a position where I can stay home and just do my work, you know. I'll talk about the music shortly, but you are, you did take the time. So thank you again to come on the podcast to talk about the other art fair in Sydney, which is weird talking yeah. to Brendan Boyd, the frontman of Incubus, saying he'll be making his Australian debut this week. That's a very weird sentence to say. Right. <laughs> did you also know, I didn't know this, that the, the other art fairs, they have like the, you're the, the latest global guest they have. The last mm-hmm. one to be the global guest was Ronnie Wood, of course, of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. That's pretty wild in itself. I know. That's good company. <laughs> I'm flattered to be in the same breath as Ronnie Wood. Um, yeah, it's really cool that there's, I really wish I could be there, you know, um, to present the work and um, talk to people. I love Australia for so many reasons. I mean, not the least of which that it, it's Australia has been really kind to me and the band over the years, but also, you know, there's really great surf there and <laughs> it's good weather. And you guys are, you're going into your fall. How does it work? We just, we just came out of summer. So the start of March is the end of summer. And how do, I don't even know how the cycle works. What's after summer? I'm, I'm looking at our producer right now. What? Fall, and he's American as well. I don't know why I'm asking him. Fall. Yeah. We, we go into fall now. Right. Yeah. So it would be ideal if I could be there to, to present the work in person, but you know, the circumstances being as they are, um, it's awesome just to be able to be there in some capacity. So I sent a bunch of work and, um, yeah, when things kind of course correct a little bit, I hope to do a solo exhibition of some kind, um, in Australia and, and, bring original works down there and come there myself and maybe bring it around the country a little bit. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, because you, your last, I don't know if it's your last work, but the, the recent large-scale one was Impossible Knots, which I know you debuted in America. Um, mm-hmm. Was this a conversation that you brought up or did art exhibitions in Australia call you and say, no, let's, let's bring it here? Well, we have, uh, I have a, a relationship with Saatchi Art and the other art fair um, operating here in the States. So um, I'm guessing it was because I've been sort of in some way part of that conversation here. And I, I work with a, a wonderful partner in a woman named Jen DeSisto. She acts as kind of like an art manager and she um, has established some really great relationships with people all over the world. So I've been able to show my art um, pretty far and wide and I made it clear that it, it it's one of my goals in, at this part of my life to, to travel with the art, similarly to how I traveled, you know, with, with Incubus and bringing music as far and as wide as uh, they would have us, as the world would have us. And so being really fortunate over the years, we've been able to travel as far as like South Africa and India, and Australia, all over um, Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, we've played in China all over the States, Europe. It's just amazing. It's an incredible thing to be able to see earth under those circumstances. Mm. And so super duper interested in uh, seeing it again, but through the lens of um, my sort of visual uh, 
creative expressions. To, being on tour with a band is an incredible experience, but it's like you're in a city for 24 hours and you go and you go and you go and you go and it's completely exhausting. Like when you're done, you have to take a couple of weeks just to go to sleep for a while. But with uh, my experience with showing art like across Europe and um, I did a show in South Africa as well, uh, it's a little bit more relaxed for me because the work is already done, you know? Mm. And so I just hang and then I stand there put my hands in a fancy position like ta-da there it is yeah. <laughs> now let's go have dinner someplace cool and let's go you know climbing on some wild rocks somewhere or go surf or something like that so it's just a different experience yeah so these two previously unseen works eyes without a face and sarah with red spirals are these works that you worked on specifically during lockdown because this is probably the perfect time to do projects like this right yeah yeah i um I did, I did most of the work actually that's being shown there during lockdown. Eyes Without a Face is the most recent one. I just finished that like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So we just waited for the paint to dry before we sent it on the, on the airplane. Sarah with Red Spirals, I did uh, maybe a year and a half ago, and it's just been hanging on my bedroom wall. Um, I was actually reluctant to part with it because it has sort of sentimental value. Um, do all of the pieces of art but that one in particular i don't know why it just it it speaks to me in a particular way um but the other ones um that are there even the prints those are ones that i did during lockdown and uh the originals just happened to sell before i had a chance to show them anywhere so um that's why we sent some nice prints down yeah the originals the last 12 months obviously for this podcast in particular it's um it's a lot of different conversations with many different bands, comedians, actors, whatever. And it's always interesting to hear what they are doing during this period. Are you wanting to work, especially when we talk about the early periods of COVID, like when we all were told this is a virus, stay inside, do not go anywhere. Do you need to kind of pick yourself up to, to get to work to on music or art? Or is this is something this, like it's, it's, it's perfect timing. Like now you can focus on this specifically because you can't go on tour. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So setting aside the, the kind of anxiousness and the, and the, well, for lack of a better term, terror of, of not knowing what it really was, especially in the first six months of it. Mm. Um, it was kind of a no brainer for me to just stay home, just stay home because most of the work that I do between painting and writing and recording music happens here at my house. And so, um, there were some small infrastructural details like where my groceries come from, which I, you know, I had to get creative about for periods of time. And uh, I don't know if you guys had the same situation over there, but we had like a, a great toilet paper shortage. Yes. Here in the early I don't understand. It happened there. Why. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing. There's a little bit of it that's logical where it's like, Oh yeah, everyone needs toilet paper. We should stock up. But people were like, there were like fist fights over it. Oh yeah, we, over we, how many? We had like lawsuits. People like literally throwing down in the middle of a supermarket. Like, don't right. worry. Like, there's plenty of bread for everyone, but toilet paper. Yeah. Like, you get in the second that supermarket opens, or you're done for. It makes no sense. I'll, I'll never forget the first couple of trips to the market that I made. Um, and see, we get we've grown so accustomed here in the West, you know, like going to the market and seeing the aisles and the refrigerators just 
stacked to the hilt with food. Like there's, there's this kind of abundance that probably has never existed in the history of humankind where you could just go into this gigantic store and get all manner of food, no matter what time of year it was. We just, we took it for granted, you know? And then all of a sudden in the span of a couple of days, I remember I went to a local market and it looked like a beat up bodega. Like there was like just huge swaths of, of the shelves that, uh, were just empty and there'd be like one can of beans, no paper products, uh, one can of soup that was like expiring in two days. And it was a really fucked up feeling like that you never had to really think about before. So it definitely threw a lot of things into perspective. I'm sure for everybody in the world, mm. you know, like we never had to think about these things before in you know this part of the United States. Um, so I, I suppose in certain respects it was, uh, there were some things, some lessons to be gleaned from the experience that are actually positive, mm. you know, it sort of broadens our, our scope. It, it, it creates like a wider perspective on if we could just talk about food and where our food comes from and supply chain economics and things like that. And things that we never really had to think about, most of us before all of a sudden are like front and center. Mm. And it's important that we think about these things, you know. Even the, just like the the simple idea of just appreciating the little things. Like again, in Sydney, we've been on fifty something days of zero cases. Our premier said that um, this week, if we stay on these numbers, uh, on Friday we'll be allowed to stand in bars and pubs and things like that. Because if you go there right now, you have to be seated at all times. The idea of being a stand up in a bar hmm. just sounds unreal right now. In a pre-COVID world, that's that sounds like a, you're a prisoner right now. That sounds amazing. Right. What's the? I don't understand the logic of sitting and standing. Is it that the particles are they hover higher in the air? Like, I, 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 the- look, I, I am not a scientist. We've just been told these things. The idea, I think, is yeah, the idea of a lot of people who are standing up and moving around a bar or of any type of venue. Because right now, like even gigs are back, but you must be seated. And it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of gig it is. Right. It could be rock, could be dance, um, could be acoustic. You need to be seated. I think one of the, the venues. Do you remember Enmore, Enmore Theatre in Sydney? You guys have played there a bunch of times. That's that's yeah, oper- that's operating as usual, but it is it's almost set up like a theatre show. So it, it's very strange. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I, um, so it makes me think about the other art fair situation so are they operating at like normal capacities or are they limiting the capacity to it how is that working do you know? i i believe when you go into particular art galleries it's um there's a certain limit of the people that can go in there um and obviously that's a matter of keeping the distance um i'm not sure if you still have to wear a face mask yeah. we did initially but like i said um and it's different for each city but sydney is doing quite well so you don't have to wear a face mask. i think the only time it's mandatory is public transport Outside of that, it's kind of just keep your distance and right. And so, we go. but again, if if things stay on track, a bunch of changes are meant to happen on Friday. I just know that one of them is being able to stand, which is ridiculous to be excited about. But <laughs> we are. Oh, it's so strange. It is so strange. Um, a lot of the the things, like the the rules that have been implemented, feel so arbitrary, and you know. It feels like they just got picked out of a hat, mm. some of them. And maybe they were for all of them. <laughs> so this is where some of my uh, my frustration slash deep empathy for any kind of public health officials has come into play during the situation because thank God they're there, you know, because they 
know better than most of us do um, with some, at least some experience in these things. But then at the same time, this is a novel virus. And so they, we, they were trying to implement, implement rules to the masses without knowing the full field in front of them. Mm. So that's why there were so many like rules and then, oh yeah, we fucked up. You don't got to do that. Definitely do this. And in America, like I said before, it was like the perfect um, platform to create distrust in public health officials and people that were already kind of like conspiratorially minded, like leaning in those directions went full, mm. full conspiracy theory. Like there are people that won't get the vaccine if they're pretty sure Bill Gates is going to like inject them with a nanobot that's going to control their thoughts. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like there, there's a huge swath of our population. It feels like a big swath. Maybe it's a, a, a minority of the population, but they're equally like, this is some lizard people, alien shit happening. It's not real. And the vaccine, really the vaccine's <laughs> getting rolled out at least more so than it is in Australia or in America, right? The, it's getting better now. Right. Ever since um, the administration came forward, uh, they seem to have a much more sort of working idea of how to govern large bodies of people than the last administration did. Um, so the vaccine rollout's been a lot more successful. I think they, they, sh they were planning on doing 100 million vaccines in the first 100 days, and they're at like day 60 now or less than that, and they've already hit 100 million. Wow. So they're ahead of their schedule, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. After the break, Incubus haven't released an album since 2018. Brendan tells me what their plans were pre-COVID and what they plan to do when this is all over, as well as his own solo material. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast, Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, Track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. As far on, on the band front, um, especially when we talk about the early stages of COVID hitting, what was the conversation with Incubus mm. like? Because I think of a couple of bands who have been on this podcast in recent months and weeks, like Foo Fighters and Kings of Leon. You know, they, they were intended to, to release their new albums last year. That changed, and now their albums are out, and it's kind of like, what the fuck do we do now? We can't tour. We kind of just—it's it's out there, but now we just sit. Did you guys like have a, I imagine a Zoom band meeting, to say what do we do for the next twelve months or beyond? We've been doing weekly um, band Zoom meetings for the last like year or so, mm. and we put out EP um, in April of 2020. It's called Trust Fall Side B. And we had a single, two singles actually, that came out on it. And we had this big US tour planned with a band called 311. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were gonna do these big sheds, these big outdoor amphitheaters. And then like the tickets were on sale. Like, and they were, it was like happening. And then it was just basically just like a giant, it was the universe taking a big hatchet to our plans, you know? So everything, it wasn't even just postponed heavy quotes, it was just straight up canceled. Um, with no indication of when we'd be able to make up the dates. So there was definitely a mad scramble, not only from us as a band, but I think all touring bands were just like, like you said, what the fuck do we do? Mm. Um, 
the last thing that we any we or probably any band would want to do would be, you know, be the vector for some kind of a mass spreading event, like a super spreader event. And concerts, especially the way that we like them to be, uh, are super spreader events. You know, what we're trying to spread is is love and consciousness and um, make out parties and things like that, but not not viruses, not diseases. So. It's yeah, it was it was it was heartbreaking to be honest with you. Um there's uh talk of some shows this fall, but I think we're because there are some states in the US that are that are open and operating like normally, once again, heavy quotes. Um but uh it's questionable as to if that's a good idea. So we we want to ensure the safety of anybody that ever comes to our concert. That's like priority number one. Mm. So we're we're just going to make sure that everything is as safe and comfy as we can as it can be before we head back out on the road. Um, but don't get me wrong; like we, it's what we love to do. We love playing live concerts, and it's also how we make a living. So um, to get back out out there to do the thing. We're also celebrating uh, the 20th anniversary of an album of ours called Morning View this year. It came out in, um, in 2001 and it was a very successful record for us. And it was, you know, kind of what between the record that came before it called Make Yourself and the record that um, came after it, Morning View, they, they kind of thrust us onto the world stage. So we were planning this year on touring around the world, celebrating 20th anniversary of Morning View. Um, so maybe, maybe next year, <laughs> maybe this fall, if all things go well, but more likely than not, it'll be, it'll be next year. Well, because that's, you guys got to, um, finish the make yourself 20th anniversary U S tour, right? And I'm, I'm sure you had plans to go abroad and that didn't work out. Right. Yeah. There was talk of us going abroad, going to, um, uh, Europe and, and, and the UK to perform the make yourself stuff. And that obviously went away. Uh, but yeah, we were able to finish the Make Yourself Anniversary Tour kind of like we got in right at the last minute. The tour finished in December. Wow. And then I think the first recorded cases of COVID were in December, weren't they? I, I mean, at least here was early January. And we kind of thought, oh, it's fine. It's just a thing. Yeah, we just didn't know, right? Yeah. Everyone was like, ah, oh, it's the flu. And then, you know. Fast forward a year later, everyone's collecting their pee in bottles and, you know, <laughs> and fingernails all grown out. <laughs> and like stabbing each other for toilet paper. It's a weird fucking world. Someone exactly. said, like, someone said, like, imagine just for argument's sake, if you were just asleep for a year on a train and then you open your eyes and everyone around you is wearing masks and there's one person on a seat and everyone is just completely separated. It's a weird thought to think this is like, this is where we are at in 2021. It really is. It's, it's from a certain perspective, once you take out the, the human tragedy of it, like when you kind of pull back to that 20,000 foot perspective, there's something um, almost fascinating about it in that um, viruses are non-human, you know, they're, they're apolitical. They could give a shit what our plans are. They're, just trying to replicate and carry out their their genetic destiny in the ways that they know how to, and it just so happens to throw a massive wrench in human plans. Um, 
so it's fascinating from a certain perspective um, because human beings obviously I, I suppose it's the nature of our consciousness to be self-important like we're self-interested we we care about ourselves a lot we're, we're very egoic in that regard but nature perspective like i said before it does not give a shit mm. <laughs> you know we're just a piece mm. we see ourselves as the the pinnacle of consciousness but in a larger sense we are but a piece of that bigger picture and these types of events kind of throw that into into perspective you know what were yours and incubus's plans like let's go back to february 2020 which feels like 15 years ago it was it was no. only 13 months ago like did you guys have plans to record new music were you always going to be taking time out to focus on your art in 2020 no we were going to be uh we were going to be touring we were going to be recording new music um we were kind of going off of the the lovely inertia from coming off of the make yourself anniversary tour and um um some of our our in the band family, there are some, you know, our parents are older now and some family members, immediate family members are uh, considered high risk now in this environment. And so we just needed to do everything and still continue to do everything in our power to err on the side of caution to protect our loved ones. Mm. So we just, we played it, we played it pretty safe. Um, that being said, it, we have kept planning. We've kept penciling things in and we, did some fun little projects as a band, uh, including some acoustic recordings that we kind of like recorded by via telephone and Zoom with each other, which were fun. There's a recording of um, one of the songs from our EP that came out in April called Our Love, which we did acoustic. And then um, Michael and I did an acoustic version of an older song called Agoraphobia with a little bit of yep. a, a tip of the hat to the, the circumstances under which it was being recorded. Um, but then, uh, when I started to kind of really understand that nothing, uh, of note was really going to be happening with, with the band anytime soon, I just started to, um, write music. I'd start to, I just kept writing music, you know, and hence the, the solo record that's going to be coming out in, in the near future here and, um, and painting, 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 lots of reading started growing my own food. <laughs> so, I was going to say, it looks very been, fancy outside. It's, I don't know if it's fancy, but it's definitely green. There's a yeah. lot of green happening out there. I mean, tell me about this solo record then. I mean, again, again, I don't want to make this whole podcast about fucking COVID, but were you inspired to start working on solo material because of being in lockdown and not being able to, to be on the road with Incubus? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really in my, um, it wasn't really in my sights to do a solo record anytime soon um but if i am left alone and just bored enough i just start writing music and i start painting it's sort of like a um it's like my default switch and um i'm not mad at it you know like i it's my it's the way that i i not only uh, process the world it's it's also a way in which i I've learned to interpret my experience of the world and my experience in life is through making music and, and painting. Um, it's just, it's art, you know, I'm sure you've talked to hundreds of artists and I think that most of us are similar in that it's just how we know how to uh, make sense of the world. So um, this was a really unique year. It was a really unique opportunity to turn inward and 
dig around and and notice or do our best to notice um, how you know in this instance how I was processing a very strange year mm. and so um, I'm listening now to um, I'm in the process of like mixing the record and listening back to it and it's like it's super dark it's <laughs> it's horny it's like <laughs> scared but with moments like inflections of hope and inflections of light and inflections of perspective that push through so i suppose it's not terribly dissimilar from other songs that i've written but it's just unique because i recorded it at home uh literally over facetime calls with uh, a new writing partner of mine uh he was like building tracks at his house and then he would email them to me and then i would write to them and write lyrics and melodies and then record them here at my house wow. and send them back to him. It was fun. It was interesting. It was, it was fun. So different. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're aiming for summer, which Australia is winter, which what June, July. I'm hoping so. I, I'm, I'm an independent artist. Incubus is also independent. You know, we don't have a record label. And so I'm probably going to work with some type of, of uh, an administrative uh, distribution thing with a label of some kind. So um, I don't want to put it out prematurely without setting it up properly. I'd like to give it, you know, to give the album a chance to, to, to get to as many ears as possible. So if that means it has to be, you know, delayed by a month or something like mm. that, then that's fine. But yeah. I'll definitely be tweeting out and putting it on my Instagram and stuff like that. Or should I do it on TikTok? I hear the kids are on TikTok oh, God, these days. I don't want to talk about TikTok. I don't even, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't, do you know, like there are, there are songs and artists and bands who are like blowing up and making so much money off streaming figures and TikTok yeah. don't understand the algorithm. They're like, fuck it. I have no idea why these kids just pick a song and then there's this running joke. And it's only for about two weeks that it gets absolutely yeah. abused and they move on to another song. It makes no sense. Right. I don't get it at yeah. all. I don't understand it either. I, um, and, and the worst part is I don't want, want to understand it either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can give it a go. I know John Mayer tried it and I think he got, um, not, not bullied, but people were like, John, what the fuck are you doing on TikTok? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you got bullied. <laughs> bullied oh. is a strong word. So the solo record's out ideally by summer. Um, with Incubus, are you guys writing more music? I mean, God forbid that COVID goes on for another 12 months. Would you ever have a conversation? I only ask this because, again, some of the other guests I've had on in recent weeks have had this conversation where they've just been sitting on a bunch of new music. There is no end in sight for this. There's no idea of when we can get out of this. So fuck it. Let's just release an album. Let's do it. Let's just get something out there. Do you guys have any interest in doing that? I mean, if um, if the circumstances, uh, I suppose, dictated that, then yes, I... I I suppose, even though it's it is how we make a living as as people by touring and you know appearing live, um, the world is even beyond COVID. It, the the world is changing so much, and the way people are consuming music, you know, as evidenced by TikTok, it's like it's changing so fast that you know. The, I think if you're over thirty, you're going to struggle to keep up with the, the next thing. Um, I've spent the last like two weeks desperately trying to understand NFTs. And I think I'm starting to get a grasp on it a little bit. Um, I'll probably like come around to understanding exactly what it is and how it works right when it's done, you know? I, I know nothing <laughs> so. about it other than Kings of Leon were the first to do it with that album that came out last week. Yeah. That's all I got for yeah. you. I have no idea how it works. Now now that I've said it out loud, you're going to like see some articles and you'll <laughs> read them and um, 
the way that's funny, the way the articles are written on NFTs, it, they're written mostly as if we already understand implicitly how the blockchain works. Yeah. <laughs> and most of us have like a, a general understanding, I think. But then just when you think you understand how it works, you're like, oh, fuck, I had no idea how this works. So these NFTs are like yet another um, another layer, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, but to answer your question, sorry. Uh, yes, I think Incubus would probably uh, jump at the opportunity to to record a record, even if we had to stay in lockdown and just put something out because um, it's what we love to do. You know, like I said before, like as artists, it's, it's how, not only how I interpret my experience in the world, I think collectively as a band, it's how we most successfully interpret our experience in the world. And so um, it's a little bit like eating or breathing. It's something that you sort of have to do. And um, I know the guys are going to get uh, itchy to start writing music any, any day now, if they're not already. So, so we'll you, got, you guys, you haven't been actively writing any new music yet, as far as Incubus is concerned? No. Right. No, no. We're, sit, we're working on a couple of projects that... Um, Incubus projects that I, I can't really divulge the details of right now, unfortunately, uh, but they do involve um, stuff that people will be able to, you know, listen to and consume in the, in the very near future. Uh, but it's not like new material, not yet at least. Sure. But I say all that and sometimes we get together for two weeks and, and albums happen. So it just, it's just a matter of, at the circumstances, I suppose. If you were going to, in an ideal situation, would you be releasing something by the end of the year, 2022? Likely 22. If we put out something, it would probably be 22. Okay. Um, well, I don't want to put you on the spot as well because there's going to be a lot of Australian Brendan Boyd and Incubus fans right now. Because we're doing okay as far as COVID's concerned, would you ever yeah. consider, and this is inclusive of Incubus, solo work, art, would you be inclined at all to come to Australia and do the very tough 14 day. I think it's 15 day quarantine. Actually, you have to fly to Australia. You stay inside for 15 days and then you're allowed to do whatever you want in the country. Would that ever be an option in the coming months? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that is an option. I think that getting on an airplane for whatever, it's like a, it's like a 15, 15 hour flight. Yeah. That to me sounds scarier than staying in my hotel room for 15 days what? i do okay by myself a hold up places because uh if i have a good book or my sketchbook or art supplies or something i can a guitar or something like that um a netflix password it's like as long as people are bringing me food they're not gonna make you starve in your room are they no but it, <laughs> yeah, it's like i saw it actually over the weekend it's like say if you order uber eats um they they have to wait outside the hotel. Um, the wow. hotel staff come and collect the food. They'll bring it outside your door. It's very full on because, like, out the we assumed, and from what we've been told by our government, that international touring will not be an option until 2022. But there are two comedians who are, one has already toured, one is coming next month, and then there's another big festival mm -hmm. that's happening with like uh, Bush. Cheap trick, Stone Temple Pilots, but it's very complex. Like they have to be tested regularly before they get on the plane. They have to get tested immediately after landing in Australia. Then they have to just quarantine for fourteen or fifteen days at port of entry, and then they're allowed to tour. It's it's very complex. It's a lot of work. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
The answer to your question is yes, I'm definitely open to that. I suppose it would also depend on the circumstances under which I was coming down. If we were coming down to play music, I, I feel like we would need uh, two weeks after the two week quarantine to just get into a room together and play so we didn't make fools of ourselves in front of a live audience. Um, but then that would mean, it just sounds expensive. <laughs> you know, no, it is. <laughs> just, just do a GoFundMe, who cares? I, I was going to say, if somebody else picks up the tab, I'm down. Like, I'm coming right down. You know that if this someone writes an article about this podcast, that'll happen, and you'll look like the biggest selfish dick in the world. Incubus Frontman says, help me get to Australia. Right. <laughs> somebody pay for my hotel for two weeks. I'll go. <laughs> we well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I, I'm definitely heading to this uh, art fair this week in Sydney. Again, I'll do all the plugs post podcast so you don't have to worry about that but um i know you do, you're doing some video questions with fans too is that live or is that all going to be pre-recorded q a's i don't know it's one or the other yeah. <laughs> but i am doing some some q a stuff yeah um i, I think it's going to be live if i'm not mistaken okay great um and when you do me a favor do, do me a favor when you're there at the art fair walking around and like almost normal circumstances just think of me like brandon <laughs> would like this he would like walking around looking at art. <laughs> Are you, is it going to be exactly like this? You're going to be in this exact position. I imagine wearing a different shirt maybe, but is, is this how the Q&A will work for you? Probably. And I'll probably be wearing the same shirt too. <laughs> well, Brandon, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Big fan of your work. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for this week and I hope we hear this solo music very soon and maybe some Incubus music too. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. That's our episode. Thank you for listening and thank you for Brendan for coming on the podcast. Again, if you're in Sydney, be sure to check out the other art fair happening at Barangaroo Reserves, the cutaway from 18th to the 21st of March. That's starting tomorrow. And be sure to say hi to Brendan because he'll be doing some Q&As there as well. Uh, thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to head over to thepodcast.com.au to listen to more episodes of The Green Room. There's Scottish comedian Daniel Sloth, there's Kings of Leon, there's Tash Sultana, and there's another episode coming out this week. I can't say who, but I'll tell you on the usual Friday release time. There's also The Take with Willie Mason, there's That Sucks, there's Rewind with Steve Bell, there's so much there, and more. Be sure to head over to thepodcast.com.au, and I'll talk to you all on Friday. is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Neil Griffiths, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Treweek.